0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Mahila Collective, where we explore changing times and our evolving selves as the feminist type. I'm your host, Apoor Rao. In today's episode, we'll discuss sharing the load of housework and its gendered facets. Drawing from our own experiences and recent revelations in the pandemic, we try to understand the origins of disproportionate division of labor and its impact on women, men and society.
1: Hey everyone, this is Parina. Uh, I think, Apoorva, I'm really excited about this episode. We have discussed on this topic so many times and we've seen so much of this happen in and around our houses that I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation.
2: Yes, absolutely. Hi, everyone. This is Shruti. And I, to be honest, I'm both scared and excited for this episode. And I just can't wait to start. (laughs)
0: Okay. So uh, recently, the Supreme Court had passed a crucial judgment. Uh, there was this insurance dispute where the compensation was to be decided, majorly on the income of the deceased, right? Yeah. Uh, so the court ruled to include a notional income of the deceased woman who was a homemaker. We have often seen that a woman's contribution to the household is often overlooked, uh, not only in terms of economic value, but is also unrecognized and unappreciated. Yeah, Apurva, and I think that is why this SE
1: ruling was so important, because it just showed that the You know, the courts of the land also believe in the sacrifices of the homemaker and, you know, such judgments are really encouraging and they often form a really important precedence for the future and really, you know, help the movement in general for better social equality for women where their work is finally recognized and given the due respect that it deserves.
2: Right. So even I was reading this article to better understand the implications of the law in general. So I like read these a uh, few quotes by the Supreme Court itself, which was so, I don't know if I can say encouraging, but felt like, oh, there is somebody who is looking out for the welfare. So like this SC went on to say that uh, even if the women did not receive income for her work, it still had economic value. And uh, they went on to quote a few statistics that how the majority of women in India spend on an average like six hours every day doing household chores compared to just 19 minutes spent by men in on an average and I guess um, move, uh, adding on to that uh, I also read about that recent Kamal Hassan thing where his party in in his state uh, also went on to promise uh, income for the house makers so what do you think of that guys
1: I think it's really encouraging I mean, recognizing the economic value that a housemaker brings to the table, brings to the economy and society in general. But I also think that it's not all positive. You know, what it said, as far as I remember, was it would ask men to pay for the woman's housework, which would, you know, further enhance their sense of entitlement and kind of make it as buying domestic labor from their wives, which I think sounds extremely problematic. So, I mean, I do think that recognizing this value is important. But maybe fair remuneration for it may not be the only way. I think uh, the idea should be to make them more autonomous and more Mm. independent. And this is in turn probably making them even more dependent on their husbands to pay them.
0: Okay, so moving on, uh, where do you think that this instilling of taking up responsibility of household chores and primary caregiving comes from?
2: Um, Like if you're asking me where this comes from in... uh i mean if i were to look at it from an anthropological perspective so i remember uh, reading this in a book by yuval nohari the very famous book sapiens so he tries to go on uh, like kind of dissecting the gender norms in the, from the perspective of uh, the hunter gatherers that lived uh, 70000 years ago the historians then also go on to say but like even though the female form with the 2x chromosomes has not changed in the last many centuries but the f- the women itself the essence of the woman who lives in a society has changed tremendously in the last one century, according to those um, historians. Like they said that um, like, as the society is involved that there has been uh, tremendous change.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, there have been like historical events to that effect, right? I mean. Mm-hmm. Things like the World War II in the West especially, I think that led to a whole big cultural and social change. I mean, women had to get out of the house and go to work because of the pressures of the war, the economic pressures. And it also led to a lot of that prejudice going away that was there again. you know, married women, black women, that they could now go to work because just they had to let go of that prejudice and let the women work. But also at the same time, I think India probably never faced that moment historically. And maybe that could be the reason we are a little behind in that aspect. And also, I think it's just, yeah. And I think in India, there are just so many other things. I mean, there is this whole moral argument that is given when women want to get out of the house and do other sorts of work so that they don't do this housework. It's just morally not allowed, you know, the whole whole idea that these households have. I mean, I think there is a lot of things happening in India
0: that is stopping women right now. Hmm. But haan, like this idea that aur nahi jaati, it's probably because we can afford to not go out. I and mean, then this idea comes attached with a lot of privilege and, you know, you need to have a good financial background to be able to say that to the women. I mean, if there's nobody if you know that if one person's income is not making up your household's income so mm. the woman needs to step out so you know even if the the woman is stepping out in such scenarios like we have seen so many women who are not coming from privileged backgrounds and actually going out to work even in such scenarios um, you know uh, they're they're also the primary caregiver In these scenarios, like Mm -hmm. they might be going out to earn, they might be earning the same or more or less or whatever, Mm -hmm. but they're still expected to be the primary caregiver of the children and do all the household works and take care of the elderly.
2: Right. I mean, uh, I remember reading this another statistic that said that the labor uh, labor gap is a lot more in the urban cities than it is in uh, the rural cities, although there is a lot of factors that come into play. There's also the education employment gap, which is also the reason, but like you said that even when women in the rural areas are going out to work because of the financial necessities, they they, they are not very far from their gender roles in that sense as well. Because, uh, I mean, if I were to go ahead and talk about this one incident that I've seen that in my house, uh, the cook didi that comes, right? So she and her husband both are working. But I remember, I, like, I see her talk about her husband so much in the sense that he often feels emasculated by the fact that she is going out. So in any argument that they have, like the previous night, his uh, immediate response is that, oh, you to work to work So now you won't go out to work. So that, that perspective, that mindset is still there, even if, you know, the women do go out to work.
1: This mindset, having that mindset starts very early on. I mean, this is how parents bring up their kids, right? The mm-hmm. daughters are always encouraged to help out with the household work. The sons are more, never encouraged to do that. And I mean, even as they grow up, they're expected to know these household codes because it's just they're made aware that eventually this is this will be their primary job after they get married and, you know, they'll have to take care of the sasural and things like that. <laughs> so, I mean, I have always seen uh, in my relatives would if there would be a young woman of marriageable age and if she would not know household codes, oh my God, <laughs> the amount of judgment that she would be forced. Uh, I mean, she would be...
0: So there was this Australian study which um, talked about you know how men and women who were um, living alone, working sort of spent you know similar amount of times on their household chores you know be it cooking or cleaning, somewhat similar time. But what happened when they started living together when probably they got into uh, relationships or you know they got married, the amount of time that women started spending on household chores increased, but the amount of time that women men spent decreased. So. Um, you know, this this sort of ideology I've seen in a lot of families that, you know, when their son is away in some other city working and, and there's always this kind of conversation which goes behind that, okay, let's, you know, get him married so, you know, someone can take care of him. Why do you need someone to take care of him? I don't get that. can't, can't You can't even be responsible for his own food and his own clean room. I mean, aren't they, why aren't they held to the same standard as our parents hold us?
2: Exactly. I mean, if we were, uh, also if we were to talk about this conditioning, although I have like a million stories where I've been conditioned by both my parents and my relatives, but it's hard not to mention the pop culture and the movies that we've grown up with. I mean, my childhood was basically Kapu, watching the Kapu serials with my mom and those are the prime examples of the immense glorification and the immense i don't know what you call it but the of the household work and the, basically the gender roles and in in every movie the essence of the question when you know a girl is presented in front of her prospective grooms family with a chai ki thali and then she's asked mm-hmm. that oh that that entire question is rooted in the, that
1: ideal self guan uh, sampan he babu, he kind some
2: like, you <laughs> exactly exactly so i mean we've all seen that uh, the trope of the of the ideal woman who is who is paraded like a property in front of the new uh, uh buyers or whatever so even in some movies they did want to talk about it in movies like Kienka, I, th- I felt that even then the representation was so uh misconstrued as in not as genuine as it could have been like it's not just about reversing the gender roles it is about egalitarian i don't know
0: Oh, I remember there was this one particular scene in English English when Sri Devi is walking with the chef guy yeah, she met in New York and uh, you know, she's telling him about the things she cooks and you know they're talking and he says, Yeah, even I'm a chef, I like to cook and everything. And you know, she says this one line that, you know, when a woman cooks it's her duty and when a man cooks it's art, I mean, something on those lines that you know when- oh,
1: that's such a good line because duty is this word that is associated like like I said since childhood and that's just so wrong that little girls are made to feel like that
2: like the entire mm-hmm. essence of the resistance is to serve another family and serve another human being and the and and the entire idea that success so I mean it comes across as you know giving uh, the, the woman the credit for the achievement but it is also the you know right. that my dreams are more important than if you have any dreams like whatever you're thinking but my... There's a
1: difference between, you know, giving credit, recognizing a woman's work that went behind it and just glorifying the complete sacrifice and the...
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that we're coming across as poor, feminist types, no? <laughs> you know, <too many> because
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so we've established that this conditioning is problematic, but what do you think are the impacts of this conditioning?
1: Yeah, so like I said, I think when women are made to feel that this will be their primary responsibility and, you know, this is what they will have to do when they grow up, a lot of times women end up letting go of their ambition from a very young age. I mean, I have literally seen this around me in, you know, distant relatives and things like that, that, you know, people feel what's the point of studying too much and going to a good university when they'll probably end up getting married and getting, you know, doing all of the household work and not pursuing a stable career. So, I mean, that women are not ambitious often because of this is a very harmful impact, I feel. And the women who do escape this, who, you know, still ambitious, they start off great careers ultimately often have to leave that career to do household work because then again it is their primary responsibility i mean when they have children or when there is someone sick at home and someone elderly they have to take leaves. they have to miss meetings which obviously end up derailing their career a lot of the times right right
2: i
0: mean so uh there's this concept that you have now don't waste more time in studies because it's not going to be of much use. I mean, you know, graduation is also because, you know, graduating can add to your marriage portfolio and everything. Uh, so, you know, uh, I mean, This whole idea yeah.
1: that women are not educated to have a career or have a job, women are educated to, you know, get married. Be good
0: wives. Get good proposals for marriage. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You know, I mean, not just the fact that, you know, your ambitions are uh, curbed at a young age, but other impacts as well. Like, you know, there have been numerous studies which show that, you know, working beyond a certain number of hours is bad for your health. It, it You know, it leads to in- anxiety and depression. And um, the problem is that these studies, they only talk about the paid work. You know, when you go eight hours a day to office, that is what, that is the time that they're calculating in their studies. They they fail to take into account um, the amount of work that women are doing at home, which is not yeah. paid, right? I mean, that is also some sort of work. So if you're saying that you, you should not work more than 50 hours a week, this 50 hours is only the paid work that you're counting in. This this does not include cooking for the family or cleaning or taking care. Uh, of
1: let's it's called the invisible work that women do.
0: Yeah, and you know, this is one major reason that women suffer from workplace-related stress and anxiety a um, lot more than men and this difference is particularly prominent in the age group of 40, 30 35 to 45 you know this is the time when your career is taking off and when you're having kids and you know you're married you have to take care of your in-laws
2: so everything just adds up and it's not even accounted in the studies um yeah, and uh, before moving on, I feel that uh, when we do talk about the impact, there is this impact that women have on their personal lives in terms of their career and their health and of the people around them. But there's also this larger impact that is there on, let's say, the economy of a country, if you were to see it from a completely capitalist point of view. So, I mean, there are statistics that said in this recent in uh, uh, recent report that India could add almost uh, like twenty to sixty percent of its GDP if it were to reduce the labor gap that exists in the country, which is in fact the least around the world. Which, like Parena said, is not just because uh, it's because like there are obviously a number of reasons. There is a reason that there is an education gap, there is this wage gap, and there is lack of policy, and the women are more uh, prone to. Face Uh, harassment at workplace but the primary reason still continues to be the social stigma associated with women going out to work because their primary job as human beings is staying at home taking care of the kids taking care of the elderly taking care of the house
1: yeah absolutely i think having these you know sexualized division of labor is extremely harmful for men as well I mean what if men actually do want to help out in household work do want to go into the kitchen and cook I mean how often is it that they're shamed for that I mean mm-hmm. even since childhood if a little boy would you know have fun playing with the utensils or cooking or helping out his mother he's right. told to stay away and you know instead of encouraging they're shaming him and making fun of him so I think it's this whole idea is really harmful for men as well. In fact, you know, they are not doing the household work. They have to be the sole breadwinner, ideally, in a family. And that adds so
2: much pressure as well to them. I think this uh, whole thing of being the sole breadwinner of the family and this added pressure, like I have read that the major reason for suicide in men is because of this shame that they feel, that this added pressure that they feel for being a breadwinner. So when things tend to go the other way it's something that they cannot fathom and also like when you talk about that um, like men don't have that choice so if we were to think about a situation like let's say there's this, this a husband and wife who are working and you know have good careers right and uh, they decide to have a baby and then they soon decide that oh uh, this is not something that we can do while the both of us are working so somebody has to like stay at home and take care of the kid so what if the man wants to do that that is that should be absolutely normal perhaps he does not like the work that he's doing he's not happy at his company and he wants to take a break take care of his kid and i don't see that happening anytime soon in the system so, i like think it, it's so far away yeah, yeah. Time
1: stay at home. Dad, i think the, the moment the man the are, yeah, you know, yeah. Right. So far i mean you
0: man. know the moment a father is going to be on like i'm going to stay home and take care of my kid he's going to be labeled as you know it's yeah. nahi hai. Kuch yeah. right
2: and this is the exact thing issue i had with kian ka also that I mean, for people who've seen that movie, that the reason that Arjun Kapoor wanted to be a stay-at-home uh, husband or whatever is because he said that I am not ambitious. So w- what is this implication that staying at home is equivalent to not being ambitious? Uh, I mean, I just find it very... I just find it very uh, patronizing to look it yeah, at... it. And what
1: life. if he just wanted to take, you know, six months off, he liked taking care of the kids, he liked yeah. cooking, And he just wanted to work on a skill or work on a startup. I mean, yeah when will we normalize this?
2: Right, that he wants to work on a book, like, yeah, startups. I mean, I really hope that, you know, that 20 or 30 years down the line, that is something that becomes quite normalized.
0: Talking about the future, hopefully that this pandemic has been a little catalyst in this whole situation. So, you know, talking about the pandemic, do you think that the pandemic impacted the situation in any way? Do you think it changed things for the better or situation worsened?
1: Yeah, I think the pandemic hopefully has had a good impact in one respect so personally i mean we all started helping out a lot more at home especially during the lockdown and you know we would be helping in cooking and cleaning and you know i personally realized that even cooking one meal would take hours and it's actually extremely tiring i think i did not ever completely recognize how hard and how tiring and strenuous these things can be And I mean, even though we're talking about recognizing this work, but, you know, when we actually did it is probably when we, you know, truly understood what our mothers or, you know, generally homemakers uh, go through. And hopefully, I think, I mean, I did realize that hopefully other people have who have also had to help out at home, if not sharing the load, you know, further, they will at least start to recognize the kind of work that goes into you know the functioning of a house, basic things, cooking and cleaning, and would make them respect their partners, their mothers more.
2: Right. I mean, there's no denying that there uh, that this whole situation has brought the invisible work into the limelight that people have finally, to some extent, started to recognize that there is a lot that goes into keeping a home functioning, but from what I see that even the um the contribution that comes is coming from the other members of the family is still very token if you think about it even now the major major uh, uh part of the house and the caregiving still falls upon the women of the house and not the men so if you were to see a simple situation like in my home uh, my mother was a teacher and she was working throughout the pandemic while my father had slightly lesser workload because he was in a sector that was not generally working through the pandemic so even when my mother was working and my father was perhaps not giving uh, was not working as many hours she was the one who had to take up the major part of the uh, household chores and everything even though she had me and my brother to help but and I think this is not far from the reality that was for a lot of women in the country.
0: Even in the pandemic when men did help out, it was more of a token work, you know, I had four and my work was done. thank you. Yeah. Bye bye, good night. So but there have been a few positive things. Um you know, I think this pandemic taught the companies that it's possible you know, to give people flexible timings and flexible areas to work from and still get good productivity out of their employees. Like a lot of women do face this issue after having kids or after getting married that they cannot go back to the job or give their 100% to the job because they do have some duty towards the house. I mean, they are expected to. And if they don't take care of the kid, who's going to take care of the kid, right? So a lot of women do tend to, you know, cut out on their hours or even leave the job because of this. And because the job would not provide them the flexibility to stay at home and take care of the kid and work side by side. But since this pandemic completely forced people to do so, the companies realized that it's possible. It's not it's not a utopian world that women are working at home and taking care of the kid. So I think this is one thing that is going to help women in the long run. Now.
1: Yeah, I think this is definitely happening. I've heard talk among the senior leaders in my company that they are going to, you know, make work from home and flexible timings more, you know, applicable even in the after the pandemic time which is amazing i think
2: yeah i mean uh, we might not be able to realize it but this can really have a huge ripple effect that in terms of keeping women in the workforce the the whole thing that they do, do,
1: do yeah do. fixing the leaky pipeline as they say oh,
2: yeah i think that um, and also i think that there's one more thing that i noticed in this whole pandemic was that w- that suddenly everybody in India was particularly going through the same thing, right? So in our country, we are majorly dependent on domestic help, or at least the cleaning part, right? So in this time when majorly people were not having their domestic help come home during the lockdown, we saw even the celebrities take up these chores themselves and sharing videos of this stuff. So when you saw Virat Kohli or you know Akshay Kumar sh- sharing the load at home, so I think that also might have. I remember
1: to- you were so excited with Katrina Kaif has had the same mop as you. <laughs>
2: I'm also talking in the sense that when men who are these huge stars were like sharing the load at home so I think that also kind of had uh, some sort of an impact on the psyche of the people that oh that is something that is not let's say beneath them and that is also something they can pick up
1: and you know you mentioned that in India primarily women uh, are hired for cleaning but you know there's this idea that one even when women are hired for cleaning it is the sole responsibility of the woman of the house to supervise them so technically i mean even if you have help it is still your job to get that thing done i mean how many times do men actually help out in hiring of the maids or supervising of them and you know the worst part i think is that you know even when help is hired it's fine if you hire help for cleaning but the cooking and childcare care needs, having them is still so stigmatized. I mean, I have heard this so often that, you know, maids Or, you know, it's not good because... Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not tasting as well because the maid made it at 5 p.m. and they're bringing this to dinner. And
2: You talk about uh, child caring and hiring help for that. I have heard people around me that I had this neighbor who was... Uh, who had a really good job and her husband was in the merchant Navy so he used to be away for six months at a stretch and she had two daughters and so she obviously had like a full-time maid who used to help her out and there used to be so much talk around how she's letting somebody else take care of her uh, two kids and she's not there while the man is also away he's like completely away for six months So that is not an issue because you know he's running for the family but she is letting somebody else take care of her kids while she's away for those oh my months, god and
1: right. you know talking about cooking and child care i have heard this so often that when when women hire tutors i mean they're still vilified for this that they are not you know they're just so lazy they don't want to teach their kids or take care of them and they're taking them to tuitions and hiring tutors instead i mean It's like, it's a no-win situation. (laughs) You just can't do anything right. And it's...
2: Yeah, I mean, this. I think it is all ingrained in uh, the morality of this work. I mean, if we were to think about it, I don't know how uh, correct I am here, but probably the reason that we're okay with having help for cleaning probably has casteist roots in our nation because still cooking and child caring is seen as holy, while cleaning is something that is still seen as beneath us. I think it's worth mentioning.
0: Right, yeah, totally. So we we had this lot of discussion on sharing the load. And this is something that, you know, we do see a slow and gradual change at an individual level. But seeing this change at a population level is still a distant reality, right? So in the meanwhile, I feel that there are certain things that we can expect from men to do differently, uh, you know, to be an ally in this whole effort. For a more equal world. For example, I always think um, that you don't understand some it's hard to empathize with people, right? You don't understand something unless you you're the one who's going through it. So um, I think one important factor that men can realize is that the situation they have at their home is different from what a lot of employees have at their home. You know, they might have a wife who stays at home and takes care of the kids and takes them to the school and takes care of their parents but um you know they he could have a lot of women employees who do not have the similar facility at home so probably um recognizing that there's a difference in their workforce and uh, not you know holding them at the same standards as yourself not expecting the same things out of them i think that would be a quite helpful step towards right um Also, um, when I'm talking about recognizing the work, it also means that the same men recognize that whatever is being done at their home is not something which is just there, you know, when you enter the house and it's clean, it's not magically clean. There's someone at the home who's doing it, who's actually putting in hours and hours of effort to Mm -hmm. make things happen, right? So, probably recognizing what your wives do and actually, you know, not coming home and being all grumpy from your work. She's not sitting at home and watching television, buddy. Trust me, she's not doing that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously, that men do need to be better allies in terms of recognizing the invisible work that their wives do. And, um, yeah, and being better partners, but there's also room for women themselves to be better allies uh, as mothers and ma- as mother-in-laws, because um, their their support goes a long way. Because there's this thing that we always hear that uh, there is a generation gap that the mothers and the mother-in-laws see a certain thing. They have been conditioned a certain way, so probably they can take an onus to not put those same expectations on their daughters daughter-in-laws right because they can probably help them uh, get back into the workforce they can probably encourage their sons to be better partners and help make them distribute the load better so i think that that is also something that can be done
1: yeah exactly and i think i mean mother-in-laws being that is extremely important but i also think that the same can be said for daughters right i mean just like you said that there is a generation gap So if there was a certain conditioning passed on to you, probably from your mothers or mothers-in-law, probably not pass on those sacrificial traits to your daughters, you know, don't encourage her to, you know, leave everything for the sake of the housework and the family, you Mm -hmm. know,
2: just... Yeah, I think this this conditioning comes from uh, can come from either either of the parents. It, it can be the father. It can be the mother who can make the daughter feel like the, the, the entire essence of their being is to look after another family, another human being.
1: And you know, I have seen such like I've like personally always seen the difference this can make I mean in my family I've seen my cousins and my relatives be extremely conditioned to you know get married and be these ideal daughter-in-laws and I've seen the exact opposite with my parents who have you know always talked about careers and our financial independence when it came to my sister and me and I think you know this small thing has just made all the difference so I think this is an extremely important point
2: I mean, uh, these these efforts are still something that we can do at a personal level. But these efforts also need to be met by um, good policies by the government, which can obviously go a long way. And something like the recent SC ruling, which set a certain precedence. So these are obviously both of these things go hand in hand, I believe. Right. So
0: basically, just to sum it up, not... Um sacrificial traits and not shame women for being different right I mean just because you did not do that it's, uh, in your youth does not mean that the woman who's currently doing it needs to be shamed for that right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so you know before we wrap this episode up I want to know about your unlearning and learning on caregiving and sharing the load um
2: there was a i believe in this topic there was a very huge uh, learning curve and a very huge unlearning curve for me so um in my family from a very young age it was not that i was actively pushed to uh, be a good uh, future wife or something like that but there was always thing that this, this thing that was said to me that tum karo, na karo but aana chahiye Okay, mm-hmm. interest lena start interest Like that, you know, that they don't want to come across as, oh, that, you know, this is something that you should do, but something that, you know, if you take an interest, you like it. That I was told that I should be taking an interest in this. All they, right? were yeah, they were being progressive. <laughs> yeah, they were being progressive, exactly. But I don't know. I was it because of the movies that I saw or because of Meredith Gray I don't know but I always felt that no I won't do it it was a sign of my modernity and it was a sign of me being a progressive feminist that no I will not help in housework and I will not take an interest I mean to this day I do not like cooking because I have, in fact, I mean, it was some sort of reverse psychology that worked with me that you've been telling me that I should take an interest. no, I am not going to take an interest now. All right. So I just became this that I'd be like, you know, I'll have help. I'll have this thing. I'm not going to learn this. I'm a modern woman. I learn and all. But uh, probably with this pandemic or with, uh, I mean, with growing up, I realized that my major unlearning curve was that we need to take the gender out of this household thing because uh if we look at from look at it from a gender agnostic point of view it is an actual skill i mean if tomorrow i'm living alone it is something that i should know so uh, uh, rather than associating it as an assault on my feminism and on my modernity i should probably start looking at it as a skill that perhaps that everyone should know that even uh, my brother should know so my new uh comeback to when i'm told that oh you see something that you should have an interest in like up made a bike with and cheese for we'll both do it together.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean this i exactly the same thing happened with me. That, but I used to do this on a very, from a very different path. You know, it was not because I was being told to do or not to something at home, but it was more that I did not want to be like the other girls. You know, because how do you see women in series are the one who cooking, yeah. and I did not want to be like every other girl. You know, I'm different. I'm I'm different, right? So this this was quite in you know inside me that I will not cook. I don't know how to cook. I hate cooking. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, you know, thinking about the fact that I might be living in a different city in a few months, and once this whole thing gets over, I'd be living alone. Am I? Might I going to order every day that does not seem like a very healthy option to me so yeah um you know the fact that this is a life skill and not just a gender role anymore you need to like you know like how important it is that you know how to drive Yeah. It's equally important that you know how to cook yeah so that that was a major unlearning for me and yeah
1: yeah, yeah and like I said Shruti that you know now this is what the point you want to drive across is that you're learning this for being independent and i you know explicitly try to do this with my family and relatives i would say you know i will not learn to cook this because i don't like to eat this so what else is the point i mean i'm only learning cooking for myself and to live independently right i'm not learning cooking for someone else or to cook for someone else i'll not learn to cook this so i just try to drive this in the heads constantly that this is why i'm learning to cook i just i think it's very important to me yeah. So, we found our feminist reasonings for doing household work justification, we <laughs> call them, but we made our peace with it. But I think for me, you know, since childhood, like since my mom is a homemaker, I just never thought that it was, you know, a gender division of labor. I just thought it was natural that my, you know, since my dad goes out to work and, you know, he's earning the money. So, there are two roles to be played in a family. I mean, two kinds of work that needs to be done. So, naturally, my mother, and she actually liked doing this she likes taking care of the house decorating cooking she loves all of it so you know it never seemed very problematic to me it never seemed like a it was a gendered thing i felt it was a logical thing to do but i think during the pandemic especially you know when especially during the lockdown when the men were at home even when my dad wasn't working even when he was at home it was still my mother's job to do it he he would not help out because it was not his job so that's when i realized you know it's not that gender agnostic i think we Mm. still have a long way to go to you know have truly equal partners and truly equal division of this work and i think that was like unlearning for me on like a very personal level yeah
0: another thing that hit me quite hard was that um you know since since we were little girls and at least our parents have been trying to get this equality thing into our head that you know you're as good as another guy in your class or whatever and it it always felt that this gender thing is something which was in our parents' generation and our generation is different you know this is not how I am going to be in future and these are not the expectations that probably um, you know my future family or whatever holds from me. Mm -hmm. But I think this was quite a hard-eating reality that now that, you know, we're in our mid-20s and we do hear the same sort of conversation again that, okay, okay, so you do expect me to do this. So I feel even our generation has like a long way to go in realizing, I mean, today we are sitting here and talking about this, but how many people actually have active conversations about this when they realize that how problematic the situation is and how it's still so gendered? So we can all agree that this culture of paid and unpaid work as a whole needs a radical overhaul. After all, it's a simple fact that none of us, including businesses, could do without the invisible work that, you know, the carers do. So instead, we need to start recognizing it, valuing it, and sharing the load. (laughs) Thanks girls for joining us. See you in the next episode of The Mahila Collector. (laughs)